And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix. Then it's a classic radio mystery on The Whistler. Lisa's a mystery, you know, Mike, don't you think? Uh, it's starring Howard McNear. And by my side, as always, the mystery woman, Lisa Wolf. Well, I think to you, all women are a mystery, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I like to try to figure finger. out the mystery. Yeah, well, you, you keep know. working at that. can be fun. I bet. Sometimes. <laughs> all right, so what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Well, there's a comedian with terminal cancer who's getting an HBO special, and that is thanks to our wonderful Ellen DeGeneres, who we all know and love. I'm, I know I'm a big fan. Me so too, yeah. His name is Quincy. Jones. He's a comedian. He appeared on Ellen on March 15th because he had a Kickstarter campaign that caught her eye. So she brought him on the show and he started a fundraising page to fulfill his dream of creating a stand-up comedy special. After he was diagnosed with a stage 4 mesothelioma, he was given one year to live and Ellen said, okay, this is your dream. I'm going to make it happen for you. And she talked to the folks over at HBO and they have agreed to allow him to air a comedic special where he is the one and only uh, comic Quincy Jones. That is so, so great. That's truly a, a dream come true. You know, true. she's all about making people happy and yes. the generous. Yes. And uh, and she's uh, she's one of the best at it. She's just terrific. Her show is terrific. Yeah. And, uh, and kudos to her. And I hope he... Uh, you know, breaks a leg. That's right on the it's show. It's a really nice story. Fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's tune into the conclusion now of uh, William Bendix as Chester Ray Riley in Riley the TV Actor. We started this uh, first portion last time. Let's go back to March third, nineteen fifty, for the conclusion to the life of Riley. Oh, come on, Riley, snap out of it! I don't understand. I, I just don't understand. They look so honest. They gave me a test and all Now, I, I... look, be sensible. After all, it isn't the end of the world. Oh, it could have been worse, Daddy. No, not the way I feel now. You're lucky you found out in time before it cost you any money. <laughs> Peg. Riley. Well, it's... you didn't. Yeah. You didn't give him well... money. Yeah. You couldn't have been that foolish. Well, you don't know me like I do. <laughs> How much? How much did you give him? Only fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? Fifty? Gee, Pop. Where did you get fifty dollars? Where did you get it? Peg, what do you say this summer we go to Ocean Park? Huh? <laughs> the vacation money. Oh. No, Daddy, you couldn't have. Oh, not the Yosemite oh. money. You took every cent we saved for the last six months. The children chipped in nickels and dimes out of their allowance. You took that money and gave it to a couple of crooks when you knew that for years we've been dreaming about going to Yosemite. Oh, 
I know, but what's so wonderful about Yosemite? I mean, take away the mountains and the trees, stick in an ocean and some smog, and you got Ocean Park. Now, I'll never forgive you for this, Riley. Never. No, Peg. Don't speak to me. No, Peg, wait a minute. Bebsy, darling, you... you Bebsy... Junior, my boy, you understand. We... Ju- oh, what's the use? What's the use of going on? I ought to shoot myself. Who's there? It is I, Digby Odell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> All I need now is a gun. Something wrong, Riley? Oh, Digger, I'm in an awful mess. I got taken in on a television racket. You should have consulted me. I know all about TV. I sponsor a television show. (laughs) You do? Oh, yes. You've heard of Life Can Be Beautiful? Yes. My show is called A Date with Digger. (laughs) (laughs) The story of a struggling young undertaker who began at the top and worked his way down. Well, I gotta take a look at your TV show. Is it one of them kinescopes? Oh, no, 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 Phil. If you'll excuse the expression, we do it live. (laughs) Digger, do you think television is here to stay? Oh, yes. But not the shows that are on it. (laughs) I was sucker enough to think I could be an actor. Why not? It's all a matter of coaching you to be natural. Most amateurs are too stiff. But I can take anyone, no matter how stiff he is. I got took in by a couple of crooked producers. They swindled me out of 50 bucks. Oh, why didn't you come to me? I know all about these talent records. Well, it's too late now. I always come to you when it's too late to do anything about it. Most people do. (laughs) Peg will never forgive me. It was our vacation, though. Hello? Mr. Chester Riley. Speaking. My name is Conrad. I'm with Acme Television Productions. We understand you made a TV test for Stardust Productions, and we're interested... Well, I ain't. I had enough of television. I ain't gonna be gypped again. I've been taken for my last ride. Don't be too sure of that. (laughs) Mr. Riley, you don't understand. We want to buy that test. No. Huh? You saw it? Oh, yes. We got it from the district attorney's office. It's just what we need for our program. You mean that you want to use it on television? Yes, and we'll pay you $100. A hundred... Yes, you see, the type of program we Well, have... I don't care what kind of program, as long as it's on the level. Oh, don't worry about that. I'll send a messenger over immediately with a contract and a check. Yeah, well, look, you better make it cash. Yeah. It's no deal unless you send cash. Well, all right, Mr. Riley. Yeah, well, that's... Hey, wait, when's the show? Tonight at 9, Channel 4. Oh, swell. Uh, thanks. Thanks for everything. Digger, congratulate me. I just got a new lease on life. And you want me to congratulate you? <laughs> I tell you what happened. You see... What are you yelling about? Oh, Peg, the most wonderful thing. I'm going to be on television after all. Oh, Riley, now I'm warning Wait you... Wait a minute, I... you? Let me tell you, this time it's on the level. They're using my test. They're going to pay me $100. The messenger's on his way. You'll see me on television tonight. I don't believe it. Well, ask Digger. He heard, ain't it true, Digger? So I gather. Peg, call everybody up, all our friends. Tell them to come over tonight and watch me. Everybody we know. Riley, we, gather... Riley, we haven't got a set. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get one on approval just for tonight, and then we can send it back. Huh? Can you? Can you do that? Oh, sure. They send it over to your house. You keep it for ten days, and you send it back. Very interesting plan. 
but it would never work in my business. <laughs> hey, get on the phone and start calling. Tell everybody that tonight a star is born. <laughs> believe it. I just don't believe it. What do you mean, Gillis? You don't believe it. Here's the dough I got. Look, a hundred smackers. Maybe I'm crazy. I guess on television anything goes. Yes, that's so. Where do you see me act? Hey, Daddy, it's nine o'clock. Yeah, well, hurry up. Tune in the set. Channel four. We don't want to miss the beginning. Uh, quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Quiet. Shh, quiet. Friends, I just want to say that I appreciate you all coming over here tonight to be with me and congratulate me on my success. This means a whole new future. And I just want to say that no matter how high up the ladder I may climb, I'll never forget the less fortunate ones I left below me. And that goes for my wife and kids. I mean, uh, I, I, I won't be... speech making already. Let's watch the television. Uh. Daddy, I think I've got... Yeah, well, quiet, everybody. Oh, gee, I'm nervous. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we bring you our regular weekly feature, There's One Born Every Minute. What kind of a program is that? What's that mean, there's one born every minute? Well, it, it, it must mean uh, a star is born. Sure, that's it, a star is born. You're stupid, Gillis. <laughs> Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have a program of special interest to residents of Los Angeles. We are going to show you a screen test that was made the other day. A scene from Romeo and Juliet. And the part of Romeo was performed by an unknown actor, Chester A. Riley. That's me. D did you hear that? that Chester Riley? That, that, oh. We present this scene without any further comment for the moment. There I am. You see me? That, 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 that's me. Do you see me? Holy smoke, you're wearing your long underwear. Those are tights. You see, I'm going over to the balcony now. Yeah, we got eyes. We... Juliet's inside. Here's where I talk. Quiet. Shh, no talking. I hope you ain't going to climb no balcony in them tights. <laughs> but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. <laughs> A rise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, are far more fair than she... Be not her maid, since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but sick and green, and none but fools do wear it. Cast it off, it is my lady. Oh, it is my love? Don't let this happen to you. This is the first time the man you just saw, Chester Riley, has ever acted in his life. And having seen him, I'm sure you'll agree it should also be the last. No. Chester no. Riley was victimized by unscrupulous talent racketeers who led him to believe he was destined for stardom and then proceeded to swindle him out of $50. Turn it off. Turn to it the off. citizens of this city, Stop we him. say, Turn beware of these dishonest talent cops who play on the gullible aspirants for movie and I'll television pulverize it. I'll smash Don't it. Don't be a Chester Riley. There's one born every minute. <laughs> Another compress, Riley. Oh, uh, no, no, it'll be all right. Oh, my head. Where is everybody? They went home, dear. Yeah, I guess they were all laughing at me. 
Oh, what do you care? Peg, why do you put up with me? I'm no good. I, I don't make a good living. I lie to you. I'm always making trouble for you, embarrassing you. Why, why do you stick? What is there about me that made you put up with me all these years? <laughs> Can't you guess? Well, yeah, I know, but looks ain't everything. <laughs> Perhaps Blue Ribbon invites you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix as Riley. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker by arrangement with Universal International Pictures, now releasing Francis, starring Donald O'Connor and Francis the Talking Mule. Tonight's script is by Alan Lipskin and Ruben Schiff. Music by Lou Kozlov. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Digger O'Dell is John Brown. Babs is Barbara Eiler. Junior is Bobby Ellis. And others in the cast were Alan Reed, Ann Whitfield, Sid Tomac, and Eleanor Audley. Consult your local paper for the correct time of the Life of Riley show on television over NBC each week. The Life of Riley is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Newark, New Jersey, and Peoria, Illinois. And sent your way with the best wishes of Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. Jimmy Wallington speaking. Next, Bill Stern and Brigadier General Carlos Romulo on NBC. And that's The Life of Riley from March 3, 1950, with Riley the TV actor starring William Bendix, also in the cast, Paula Winslow, Barbara Eiler, Bobby Ellis, Alan Reed, Ann Whitfield, Sid Tomac, and Eleanor Audley, with Jimmy Wallington doing the announcing, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break here on Hollywood 360. When we come back, it's The Whistler. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to Hollywood 360. I'm Carl Amari. My co-host Lisa Wolf is here as well. Time for The Whistler, Lisa. I know you like the mysteries because you are a mystery. Let's go back to June 23, 1947 for The Gentle Way, starring Howard McNear in The Whistler. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. I am The Whistler, and I know many things for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Now the Whistler's strange story, The Gentle Way. The clock on the white wall showed a quarter to twelve, a half hour since Bruce Reimer had arrived in response to the summons. He was nervous now. Unable to concentrate any longer on the scientific journals on the table beside his chair. It wasn't like Dr. Fenshaw to keep him waiting this way. And something in the man's voice had told him there was important news. That for the first time in the 11 years since Bruce Reimer had come to the Barker Institute of Biological Research, 
he was about to get a break. And it had been a long time coming. Yes, Reimer was a patient man. But there were moments during those 11 years when it looked like the breaks would never come. When he was forced to stand on the sidelines, smile politely and congratulate the new, younger man who came and worked and picked the fat promotions. But he felt now that it had come, that now at long last Dr. Fenshaw, chairman of the board, had decided it was Reimer's turn. Would you come in, Reimer? Oh, uh, yes, of course, Dr. Fenshaw. Sorry to have kept you waiting, Reimer. Not at all. Let's see now. You're still working on tobacco mosaic, aren't you? Yes, that's right. How's it coming? Well, we seem to be making some progress. Good. Jules Emery working with you? No, not at the moment. Uh, he started out with us in the field, but he's on a research problem of his own now. Oh? What's that? Well, I, I'm not sure exactly. I do know he was tremendously excited by Holzer's paper on toxins. Uh, wanted to do some advanced work on Holzer's premise. Ah, uh. Emery's a brilliant research man, pretty unstable, though, inclined to go off half-cocked. Uh, sit down, Reimer. Oh, thanks. Uh, now, I uh, uh, presume you know Richardson has resigned as administrator. Yes, I read about it in the papers. Sick man. Job took too much out of him. We are faced now with finding a replacement. Yes, sir? We've always been pleased with your work, Reimer. Well, that's... It's very gratifying. I've just spoken to Cardigan about you. Cardigan? Why, he's in New York with the Manhattan Foundation. Of course. He recommended you very highly. Well, what is Cardigan to do with... He's returning to us as the new administrator, Reimer. You will be his assistant. His... Oh. It's not official yet, of course, but I thought you'd be pleased to know. Yes. Yes, naturally, I'm pleased, Dr. Fenshaw. Very pleased. So it's happened again, Reimer. And of all people, it had to be Cardigan, who twice now has moved past you into executive positions you wanted and deserved. Cardigan the charmer, the diplomat, the fair-haired boy... Yes, Reimer, of all of them, it had to be Cardigan. The hatred for Cardigan was there from the moment you met him ten years ago, Reimer. You sensed from the beginning that he had more poise, more talents, more integrity than you. That he was a better man for any job, and you hated him for it. Yes. And it's during those next few days, at a point you can't even place, that the hatred wells itself into something more concrete. Into a decision to kill Cardigan with an unusual murder instrument, in a clean, efficient way which could leave no trace. And the weapon you've chosen, Bruce, is a man, a highly temperamental human being named Jules Emery. Busy, Jules? Oh, uh, Bruce, come here a minute. Take a look in the microscope here. Oh, what's this? A culture. Recognize it? No. Bacillus botulinus. 24 hours ago, it was something else. This. This fluid in the test tube here. I see. But what are you... Don't um... you see, Reimer? It's exactly what Holzer tried to prove. 
This toxin is simply a stage in the life cycle of the bacillus. Well, you're certain of this? As certain as I'm standing here. I tell you, Bruce, this is going to change the whole concept of toxins. You, um, you told Cardigan about it? I will in a week or two. As soon as I can have my notes typed up. I, uh, I wouldn't if I were you. Why do you say that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you and Cliff Cardigan are pretty good friends? Well, not especially. Why? Well, somehow I had the impression you'd known him for a long time, long before you came to the Institute. Mm, well, he used to go with my wife before we were married. Oh, that explains it. Explains what? And what he told the board of directors when... Oh, what oh, silly. Anyhow, uh, congratulations on this, Jules. Well, I... Uh, be... Wait a minute. What did Cardigan tell the board? Uh, let's forget it. Oh, Bruce, will you stop talking in riddles? What are you getting at? Well, it's only a rumor, but uh, do you remember when Cardigan left a year ago to go to Manhattan Foundation and you were up for administrator here? I was up for administrator? Well, I thought you knew. No. Huh. Anyway, you'd have had it if Car Cardigan hadn't pulled for Richardson. At least that's what I've heard. You mean he... He stopped me from getting it? Oh, I don't say it's true, Joe. And Richardson was an outsider, a stranger. That's why I say it's probably only a rumor. After all, Cardigan's a friend of yours. Or, uh, anyway, a close friend of your wife. Well, I was never told I was even being considered. Well, of course you knew it this time, didn't you? No. Oh, that's funny. Why well, I heard you were to be administrator and I was to be your assistant. Then Cliff Cardigan came back to town. Deliberately and... to take the appointment from me, is that now, it? Now, take it easy, Jules. That had nothing to do with it. Cardigan simply told me he was lonesome in New York, so he came back. It seems he had a friend here. Some young lady. Oh, but I, I talk too much. Um, see you at lunch, Jules. Uh, Bruce? Yes? You don't think that... Oh, nothing. Forget it. All right. And Jules, you forget it too, will you? With the prologue of The Gentle Way, the Signal Oil Company is bringing you another strange story by The Whistler. And that's the first portion of The Whistler, starring Howard McNear, also in the cast, Willard Waterman, in The Gentle Way from June 23, 1947. When we come back from break, we'll tune into the conclusion to The Whistler, so stick around. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back to the show, and I want to tell our listeners about something very special for them that we have arranged here on Hollywood 360. It's a money-back guarantee to all of our listeners. If you have a skin ailment, whether it's a just a rash or if you may, maybe have something serious like shingles or you have eczema or dry skin or sunburn or bug bites or many other things that uh, could be uh, something wrong with your skin, there's a miracle product, and it really, really works. It's worked for all of us here. We've all used it. It's called Epizin. It's been around a long time. They sell thousands and thousands of uh, bottles of this, 
and they have a special offer to our listeners, Lisa. Tell everybody about it. Yes, if you order it through us, you can get $10 off uh, for using code RADIO. And we've been talking about this right here on Hollywood 360. I know somebody that's been using this for their babies for diaper rash. And so I know it's safe to use even for babies. This is a pharmaceutical-grade relief for not only itchy, dry skin, but any kind of irritant that can happen to your skin. Right, it's all natural. And uh, it is, uh, it's really great because no matter what, if it doesn't work for you, you return it and get a full refund. Plus, they ship it to you absolutely free, and you get $10 off for mentioning uh, the code right. radio. Right, so that's epizen.com. That's E-P-I-Z-Y-N.com. Right, epizen.com. Also, there's a toll-free number you can call and talk to a live operator 24-7. That number is 844-ZINC, and then the number for us. So 844-ZINC-4. Us or go to epizen e p i z y n dot com. Take advantage of this special offer to our Hollywood 360 listeners. All right, let's tune into the conclusion now to the Whistler. This is the Gentle Way, starring Howard McNear from June 23rd, 1947. The conclusion to the Whistler. It was like planting a seed, wasn't it, Bruce? The casual remarks you dropped to Jules Emery. And you could sense as you talked to him that the seed had dropped in fertile ground. That the doubts you left in his mind would soon be suspicions. That with the right care, the seed would strike root and grow into a raging hate for Cliff Cardigan that could transform Jules Emery into a murder weapon. And the beauty of it all, Bruce, is that you've taken the gentle way. And in the eyes of the law, you're an innocent bystander. It's only a few days after Cardigan takes over his post as administrator that you see an opportunity for move number two. Uh, Cardigan, what's this about Fairfield? You were saying... Uh, just a second. Here, may I have a cigar? Oh, thanks. All right. Got it. Well, there we are. Uh, Bruce, it seems the fruit growers around Fairfield are pretty hard hit with scale this year. Thought I'd send someone down there to make a survey. What do you think about lions? Well, uh, how long will it take? Oh, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Well, uh, the lions is okay. But I'd suggest Jules Emery. Poor guy could stand a little fresh air. Been shut up in his laboratory for weeks working on that toxin theory of his. Toxin? Uh, botulinus. Seems to hit something important. Do him good to get away for a while. Well, if you think so. Uh, tell him he leaves at the end of the week. Well, uh, it'd be better if you'd tell him. Uh, he's been here a long time, you know. I, I think he rather resents taking orders from me. Well, that's odd. I tell you what. I'm giving a little dinner at my apartment tomorrow evening. Uh, why don't you come along? Both Jules Emery and his wife are coming. Well, fine, Bruce. I'll be happy to come. Be nice to see Grace again. She and I went to high school together, you know. We'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yes, I imagine you will. Uh, 
<laughs> and then remember me trying to tell your folks the car really did run out of gas on the way home from the country club dance? They never did believe that. <laughs> and I don't believe it either. <laughs> Here, you better have another cocktail. Oh, no, thanks, Bruce. I haven't finished this one. <laughs> she can't talk and drink at the same time like I do. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Jules? Huh? Uh, no, thanks, Bruce. Jules is thinking about his work again. Come on now, relax, Forget darling. your botulinous <laughs> toxin for once, Jules. <laughs> well, Grace, here's to the dear dead days beyond recall. <laughs> Excuse me. Hmm? Was that the phone? Oh, I didn't hear anything. Well, I'd better check. Uh, help yourself if you get thirsty. Well, what happened in New York, Cliff? Oh, wonderful city. Had an interesting job, nice salary, met some important people, but... But what? Oh, I guess my heart belongs right here. Ever going back? Oh, too lonesome. Uh, mind if I smoke, Grace? Of course not. Have a cigar, Jules? I don't smoke cigars. Nonsense. Go ahead, try one. I... I don't want to encourage a habit I can't afford, Cardigan. You see, I don't have a nice salary. I'm not a big shot who runs around with millionaires. Why, Jules? Oh, say, Cliff, is Dr. Fenshaw a personal secretary named Edith Evans? I believe so. Why? Well, that's funny. She says Fenshaw wants to see Jules and me at his home right away. Well, this time of night? Don't look at me. I don't get it either. Oh, come on, Jules. Let's go. Yes? Uh, Dr. Fenshaw's expecting us. But... I'm Mr. Reimer, and this is Mr. Emmer. But I'm very sorry, sir. But Dr. Fenshaw's not at home. He and Mrs. Fenshaw are out to dinner. See here, Bruce. What is this? Wait a minute. His secretary just called me. Miss Evans. Oh, there must be some mistake, sir. His personal secretary is a man. Uh, uh, Roger Evans. I see. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, good night. Oh, good night, sir. I'll tell the doctor. Oh, no, no, never mind. I'll uh, see him in the morning. Come on, Jules. Well, maybe this is somebody's idea of a joke, getting us all the way out here. Who do you suppose called me? Why don't you ask Cardigan... What do you mean? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I'm sorry, Jules. I, I... He had that girl phone you. So he'd be alone with my wife. Don't be ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Well, for one thing, if Cardigan really wanted to be alone with Grace, he could do it a lot smoother than that. He, uh... Why, uh... He'd send you away on a field trip, for instance. <laughs> It's moving now, Reimer, of its own momentum. Yes. All you had to do was give your plan the first push and let Jules Emery take it from there. And when you and Jules arrive back at your apartment, you find both Grace and Cliff Cardigan gone. And later still, when the telephone rings, it's a very nervous Jules who snaps up the receiver. Hey, yes? Oh, Jules, darling. Oh, Grace! Where are you? I'm calling from a drugstore, dear. The car broke down. It's a fan belt or something. Well, why did you take the car out? Well, Cliff couldn't get a taxi, so I took him home. Jules, is something wrong? The gentle way, Bruce. The easy, guiltless way. Yes. You couldn't have found a better weapon than Jules, could you? The following night, he arrives home unexpectedly. Is that you, Jules? Of course. Why? Whom did you expect, Grace? Why, why, nobody. 
Only I thought you had an appointment with Bruce Reimer at the Institute this evening. I did. I waited an hour for him, then he called and said he couldn't make it. By the way, who's your appointment with? Mine. Or are you going to tell me you've dressed up just to sit around the house and wait for me? I dressed up because I thought I'd go to a movie. Oh, yeah. Jules, what's the matter with you? Is something wrong? You can answer that question better than I can. I don't know what you mean, darling. Is there any reason why I shouldn't go to a movie? I do it all the time when you work late. You know that. All right, skip it. But, Jules... I, I... said skip it. Uh, where's my pipe? Isn't it there on the table? If it were, I wouldn't be asking. I'm sure it's there. Let me look. Never mind, never I found it. Here behind this vase of roses. You know, it seems to me, Grace, that with all the penny pitching we have to do, you could forego buying flowers. Oh, Jules, dear, you're in an awfully bad mood tonight. It happens I didn't buy those roses. They were sent here. Oh, yes? Who sent them? It's very funny. The boy delivered the box around six o'clock. I didn't even know what it was. Then I opened it. There were a dozen roses. No card, no name. I haven't the slightest notion. Oh, don't give me that. Jules Emery, would you tell me what on earth is wrong I'm with you? I'm not an idiot. I know who sent those roses to you. Cliff Cardigan. Cliff? Why would he... He did send them, didn't he? I told you I don't know. But what if he did? I told you Cliff and I are old friends. You can make a better choice of friends, it seems to me. And what does that mean? Next time you work on our budget. Next time you wonder how we're going to get along on my salary. Please remember that Cliff Cardigan is the only reason I'm not administrator of Barker Institute. Jules, how long have you been brooding on this? Never mind that. You had a date to meet him tonight, didn't you? That's why you're all dressed up. That's why he sent you flowers. Oh, Jules, listen to me, darling. Oh, don't lie to me, don't lie to me, Ron. I'll answer it. Hello. Oh, hello, Jules. This is Cardigan. Yes? Say, I forgot to mention it before, old boy, but I'm sending you out of town on a little field trip. <laughs> There's not much left for you to do now, is there, Bruce? As you see Jules off on the train to Fairfield the next morning, you can see that your weapon is poised, ready to strike at the innocent cardigan. That a few days, perhaps a week alone, brooding in a drab country hotel will finish the job. There's no one to let Jules know what's happening except you. And uh, you know how to handle that. Telegram, sir, from Fairfield... Oh, thank you. Any answer? No. No answer. Uh, yes? Fairfield calling. A person-to-person -person call for Mr. Bruce Reimer. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Mr. Reimer isn't at home. And just to make sure, Bruce, one last item. The finishing touch. Transworld Press Association. Oh, good evening. This is Dr. Harvey Williams of Barker Institute. I thought perhaps you might be interested in an important discovery we've made. Why, of course, Doctor, and thank you very much. Well, it concerns a very deadly type of toxin called botulinus. Yes, yes, just a second. Who is it? It's Jules. Jules Emery. 
Jules, what in the name of... I've got of... to talk to you, Bruce. Well, it's two in the morning. What are you doing in town? I just got in. Where's Grace? Grace? Yes, where is she? What's been going on? Why didn't you answer my wire? Well, I told you once, Jules. I don't want to become involved in your personal affairs. The questions you asked were none of my business. You aren't man enough to settle your own problem. Never mind the lecture. Where is she? Grace? Well, I understand she's gone to visit her mother. You're lying. You're lying to protect her. All I know is what Grace told me. What about Cardigan? Where's he? At home, I suppose. I've been there. He isn't home. Oh, oh, I remember now. He went on a weekend trip. Where? I don't know. But I believe he said he'd be back around five or six this morning. If you're so eager to find out where he's been, why don't you wait for him? I intend to. To see this? Oh, what? Take a look at the newspaper here. Cardigan taking credit Yes. For... All my work on botulinus. He says it's his discovery. How could the paper make a mistake? There's like no that? mistake. It's a press association dispatch. But how else? Released could... by someone called Harvey Williams. There's no such person here. Cardigan went through my note, driver. He released the story himself. Oh, now wait a I've minute. I've all the waiting I intend to do. Well, that's a... It's a terrible accusation. He's stolen everything from me. My job, my wife, and now this. I... I can't believe it. Reimer, I... I'm going to kill him. Come in. Well, Dr. Fenshaw, I didn't expect to find you here in Cardigan's office. Uh, where's Cardigan, by the way? Uh, sit down, Raymer. Huh? What's the matter? I've been waiting for you. Something terrible has happened. What do you mean? Cardigan is dead. What? He was killed last night. Some passerby found him in front of his apartment. Cranial injuries, a blow on the head or something. Good heavens, I... I just can't believe... I know, it's left me a little shaken, too. Got a cigarette? Uh, no, no, I, I'm sorry. I left them on my desk in my office. But uh, Cardigan keeps some good cigars here somewhere. Uh, no, no. Oh, here they are. No, thanks. His brand was always too strong for me. I'll pick up some cigarettes on the way downtown. Due at a meeting... Business as usual, you know. <sighs> Cardigan. Poor devil. You may as well stay here in Cardigan's office, Reimer. Have to take over his work for the time being. Oh, yes, of course. Might be a week or ten days before I can get the board together. And I'll have you officially appointed administrator. I'll be happy to do what I can. I appreciate that, Reimer. I'll try to look in again sometime this afternoon. Well, Cardigan, old boy, mind if I smoke one of your cigars? <laughs> mm. Bruce Rock. Uh, this is the administrator's office. Is this Mr. Cardigan's office? Yes, yes, uh, Bruce Reimer speaking. Oh, well, Mr. Reimer, you're the man I'm trying to locate. Uh, this is police headquarters, Lieutenant Owen speaking. Yes? We're holding a man here who's confessed to the murder of Mr. Cardigan. He says you know him. His name is Jules Emery.
It was the gentle way that did the trick. And everything you wanted is yours now, with no strings attached. No embarrassing questions. No way the law can touch you. Jules Emery is a confessed killer now. Cardigan is dead. And Dr. Fenshaw himself has promised you your appointment as administrator. And it was so easy, wasn't it? A word here, a hint there. A box of roses. A few unanswered telegrams. And here you are sitting at Cardigan's desk, smoking one of his cigars, ready to tell Lieutenant Owens how you tried to reason with Jules Emery, tried to convince him he should forget his raging jealousy and go back to Fairfield. Go on, Lieutenant. Well, about this guy, Jules Emery, we don't know what's wrong with him, but we're calling a doctor for a checkup. A doctor? Yes, he certainly tells a weird story. We're holding him on a charge of intent to murder. Intent? But you... You just said he confessed. He did. He was sure he'd murdered Cardigan. Didn't seem to know Cardigan was run down in front of his house by a hit-and-run driver. What? I'm afraid I don't understand. How do you know it was a driver? Because we got the driver and he confessed. Uh, The reason I called you, Mr. Ryder... You're in uh, Cardigan's office now, aren't you? Yes. Emery just told us he invented some kind of deadly poison... Botulinus. That's it. He says one drop would kill a regiment. I just wanted to warn you. Warn me? Yes. Don't smoke any of Cardigan's cigars. They're full of that poison. Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, which will come to you every Wednesday hereafter, beginning July 2nd, one week from this coming Wednesday. Featured in tonight's story were Willard Waterman and Howard McNair. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with story by Jack Hasty, music by Wilbur Hatch and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's The Whistler from June 23, 1947, with The Gentle Way, starring Howard McNear, also in the cast, Willard Waterman. And I'll never forget, Lisa, years and years ago, when I went to a convention for old-time radio, Willard Waterman was there. And we were doing a recreation of The Great Gildersleeve, and they cast me as Leroy. So I got to be, hey, Unc, you know, up there on stage next to Willard Waterman in a recreation of Gildersleeve. And also, uh, Shirley Mitchell was there. She played Leela Ransom. Just a, a terrific time. I know they videotaped it. I wish someone had a videotape of this. I wish they did, too. You know, and I was up there playing Leroy next to Willard Waterman. He's no. tall. He was very tall. He's passed Well, next now. to you. you well, know. just, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for throwing me under the bus there. Weather's pretty nice down here, though. I bet. All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Folks, if you'd like to win a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter, 
All you have to do is enter our drawing, right, Lisa? Yes, just send in a picture of you and your cat with your cat's name and your name, city and state, to catspridephoto at gmail.com. Every single month at the end of the month, we will have one lucky winner to win an entire year supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. And I wanted to share with you that I got my first green jug of Cat's Pride Lightweight Ultimate Care. And I went to Jewel and I bought it. My daughter owns a cat. I do not. Ah. So I'm very excited to share this new product with her. And I found the green jug and I found Catherine Heigl's face on the jug as well because I know that she is their new spokesperson for Cat's Pride. So we're really excited to work with Cat's Pride and with Catherine Heigl with this uh, most exciting product. And when you carried that jug home, it weighed half as much as the other kitty litters with the same amount of kitty litter in it. Yeah, I'm pretty strong, so I had no problem with this one, but the heavy-duty ones were uh, no fun. Very cool. All right, so make sure you send in a picture of you and your kitty cat to catspridephoto at gmail.com. And I also want to remind our listeners we have a website for this show. It's hollywood360radio.com, and at that website, you can hear a podcast of all four hours of Hollywood 360 plus a bonus hour of classic radio. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com and check out our store. There's all kinds of classic radio, CDs, digital downloads, and also classic television shows on DVD there. Well, next week, Lisa, we're going to tune into True Detective Mysteries, Duffy's Tavern, Academy Award Theater, Gunsmoke, Burns and Allen, and Nick Carter, Master Detective. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer, Mike Costello, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.